questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Alta and Chad Dillard met and married in the early 90s in the city of Little Rock, Arkansas. The marriage was one of destiny, and as Alta would say, arranged. What they did not know is that from that moment on, the couple would partake in a journey into the world of unknown and high strangeness. Greetings, I'm your host, Mel Fabregas at Veritas Radio. If you want to listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, click on the subscribe button at VeritasRadio.com. And if you want to get in touch with me, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at VeritasRadio.com. I always love to hear from you. From aliens to ghosts, to a shapeshifter, from meeting people who have been seen and some unseen, this is a story for the open-minded. In 1995, Alta and Chad experienced their first UFO, a massive sight in Hammond, Louisiana. This experience opened their eyes and led them to the well-known French Quarter in New Orleans, where the high strangeness continued. As they tried to take day by day to understand their place and purpose of these unusual events, they met a young lady, a co-worker named Christine. Little did Christine know this would be the most unusual bond of her life. In 1997, a night that would live with them to their last breath. Chad, Alta, and Christine were taken from a street corner in the French Quarter. Alta calls this the night of missing time, where the three have shared their own individual experiences. Everything from Chad's blue bean encounter, Alta's blonde female interaction, and an implant found in her arm and four-digit prints. Their story will take your breath away. So sit back, relax, and enjoy tonight's Veritas ride. Alta and Chad Dillard join us directly from the French Quarter in New Orleans, Louisiana. Hello, Alta and Chad, and welcome to Veritas. How are you? Oh, doing well. Thank you so much for having us. We are so happy to be here and, and just can't thank you enough for this uh, opportunity. My pleasure. And by the way, is it Christine or Christine? Because I saw it written two different ways. Right, Christine. Christine, okay, so I said that right. And by the way, you are living in one of my favorite, very favorite cities in the world, New Orleans. There's no mm-hmm. parallel to that city. But you have a very interesting story. And as I always do with these stories, I like to go in chronological order. I read a little bit of your bio, but tell us a little bit more about yourselves. Let's start with Alta. Well, that is appropriate since uh, I am 10 years older than Chad, I think, in terms of, uh, you know, a little bit longer in the body to have these experiences. And I'll refer to pretty much everything that others might call weird or even in the light of mysticism. I refer to all as high strangeness. I borrowed the term many years ago and it has worked well for me. So I try to stay consistent with that. Um, So. My beginnings are from, uh, uh, and much of what I share is what I've been told. I don't have a lot of uh, reference in terms of any kind of real proof for so many questions that I still have in my life. But I'm born in 1957 in the deserts of the Southwest. Uh, I'm told that I'm of mixed native blood, uh, also of 
French and Scottish blood as well. Um, the beginnings of the high strangeness, as far as I understand, is my mother claimed, now I'm raised predominantly with a mother alone. I had a stepfather for about 10 years of my early life, but it's just my mom and I, no siblings. And my mother would share this story briefly with a few folks that she ever uh, trusted in her life, and there were not many. And with so much mystery, I could understand it. Uh, she would say that back when I was probably about six months old, she claims that she left my father and his people and that it was just her and myself in a, in a car driving across a desert and that it was daylight and that a small metallic craft came down out of the sky and stopped her on the road. Now, about the time that she started to mention this story, I was pretty young, preteen, I'd say young teenager. Uh, I'd become so embarrassed that I would exit the room as quickly as I could. And uh, so ultimately, I didn't ever really ever hear any more than that. What I do remember, though, is that folks that she would share this with seemed to be gobsmacked and their mouths would be hanging open as many times when Chad and I have tried to share what's been happening with us, we'd get the same response. So I so understand it. But people would be quite, I think, shocked at her making these kinds of statements. And nobody ever seemed to challenge my mom. And I certainly didn't either. So that's a beginnings and the end of a very short mystery for me. And then uh, I'll fast forward here to... My first actual memories don't start until I'm about nine years old, and it happened to be uh, I'm all of a sudden I'm just waking up, no other way to describe it, uh, waking up, sitting in a hospital setting. Uh, the hospital was called Fitzsimmons Military Hospital in Aurora, Colorado. This would have been... Um, I'm somewhere around nine or 10 years old. This would have been, of course, in the mid 60s. And uh, the memory is pretty acute. There's not a lot, not a lot to follow what I'm about to say, but the memory is, has always been pretty strong. And that is that I'm being tested for ESP um, in this hospital setting. Uh, now, after this memory comes to me, I almost go blank again, and um, apparently we were living in the vicinity of this hospital in Aurora at that time, my mother, my stepfather, and myself, and then moving along, the next thing I know, because I have no memory of leaving Colorado, I don't really have memory of, um, of even activity in Colorado, other than that, that one very jolting memory. Was that and then hospital the close to the Buckley Air Force Base by chance? I have no idea. Okay. I'll look into that. I have no idea. What I do know is that that hospital continued to be a working hospital uh, up until just a couple of years ago, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe even just this last year. And it seems that they just they moved it to another area in Colorado. Uh, but there's lots and lots of information. If I might add also, I'll just add this very quickly. I have spent the last close to at least 15 years, I would say much longer even, 
just delving in and, and throwing myself in head first, trying to find out anything I can about what's happening to Chad and I and my mystery in my childhood. And I've, I've had very little success, but I still, I'm stayed very focused and continue to try. I am, uh, I'm not good with technical at all. Computers and all are almost foreign to me. So it's, you know, kept me at some of a handicap. I've never had children and, you know, I've been told that without a child, you're almost lost in a computer world. So it would appear to be correct so far. And I pray I don't offend anybody out there. By the um, way, do you know that, that it is a, an army hospital? Do you know that? I understand that it was known as a military hospital. Yes, it was known as Fitzsimmons Army Medical Center. It's now known as Fitzsimmons Army Hospital. Wow. Well, that that is the first memory, and then uh, oh, what I'm what I wanted to add uh, quickly, if I might, before I go much further ahead, and then Chad has some to share. Uh, a few years ago, several years ago, I made contact in my feeble way with my computer, uh, emailing Grant Cameron, and because at that time Grant Cameron was not as that I don't remember him being as involved in the conscious level of his studies. He was very much involved in the, I thought at the time, nuts and bolts of all of this. Correct. He uh, changed UFO. when I changed, when Colleen Andrews changed, all at the same time, right. 10 years ago. Right. <clears throat> well, I, I reached out to him uh, via email, a very short, uh, but very direct message to him indicating that this was my first memory. And could he give me any guidance in how I might try to get these records or get more information? And uh, he was at least kind enough to respond. And I say that with some love and, oh, a little bite behind it, because so often folks are too busy to respond. But he actually did respond. And it wasn't what I wanted to hear, but I was so, I, I'm humbled by all of this. So He's he made great. it clear that. Right. He was very nice. He was very kind, but he did make it very clear. And the best that I remember that message, which was good luck, but that's not going to happen. You're not going to get those records. So uh, I just kind of went away and licked my wounds again for a moment. And I continue to stay open and try to stay very focused on not letting anything kind of hamper or stop me, whatever that means with the doors that open. Uh, so that was the Colorado experience. Next thing I know, we're in the Midwest. We have moved to the Midwest. I spent several years in the Midwest uh, having what I would have considered a relatively normal life, uh, with the exception of I've always been extremely sensitive, and that sensitivity is being aware of energies around me. I hate getting too lost in any of that kind of conversation because I hear lots of folks do spend a lot of time speaking this way, but... That was my reality, what others might call ghost. I, I've always kind of babied up the language to take the scary out of stuff. So I refer to having ghosty experiences. and Sasquatchy. Uh, yeah, Sasquatchy, exactly. And uh, uh, so uh, now the one thing that you might take note of, uh, I never have used the word aliens, ETs, uh these implants, these are not my languages. I've always referred to, I certainly understand everyone else who does. But some of the language I'm very, again, consistent with. 
Um, so, so the Midwest having a, you know, about a 10, 11 year period of time. Uh, my stepfather dies when I'm about 15 years old. Before uh, we go was, there, I don't mean to interrupt you, but yeah. I like to just not forget no, certain you. things. The this 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 bustling part, the Fitzsimmons General Hospital or Army Hospital. Why do you think you were taken there for a you know a test? What do you think prompted that? I'm absolutely clueless, with the exception of. My mom would say also to the few that she trusted, and there were not many, that uh, she, her language was that I had abilities. And uh, again, this would embarrass me. This kind of language embarrassed me. But she claims that when I'm little and I could first start speaking, I was having extremely adult prophetic dreams that would come to pass. So she took note of this very quickly. And again, What's the truth about a small metallic craft coming down out of the sky and stopping her on a on a road in the middle of the desert, uh, you know, in the late 50s? Uh, again, now my mother has passed. She died literally on my 40th birthday to the minute I'm born. Like my life has not been strange enough. But um, so she is not physically available and has not been for the last 21 years for me to have these questions for. It was three months after my mother's passing that Chad and I and Christine had that event in the French Quarter in 97. So I just don't have, and I've never had family to talk to, uh, to, to answer any of these kinds of questions. Uh, it is a mystery that I just try to continue to follow. And, um, and do my very best with on my own. When your mother passed uh, away, didn't the phone ring without being connected? Absolutely. And let me mention also, we kept that phone. It was the phone that my mom, we were long distance when my mother, uh, she went into a coma. The one thing my mom had always asked, because I was raised of the, I've always had native regalia. My mother also, we wear almost matching kinds of dresses. Uh, I've been a part of the Native world, but a very international uh, kind of uh, experience. She traveled a lot, intertribal, kept me very active with uh, the community in terms of different states that we lived or where we would travel. But uh, she happened to be in Little Rock when she went into this coma. She was 24 hours of moving to the French Quarter to live with us. We had pre-rented her a mother-in-law cottage in the courtyard of our townhouse, uh, life was perfect. And of course it was not meant to be. She went into the coma long distance. They put her in a hospital before I, I knew anything about this. And this was the last thing my mother would have ever allowed. She begged me throughout you know, my adult life never to, and to chat as well, never to allow her to be put in a hospital on machines. And of course I couldn't stop it. Everything went haywire. And by the time we got to my mom, uh, I was then forced to have to wait until my birthday. And then at the last minute when, uh, and I, it was, there was, it was a very hellish experience. Uh, and I, I don't want to, you know, lose the, the concept of the opportunity of visiting with you and sharing with you these things that have been happening with us. But it, it so happened she died in Little Rock. And 
I end up with all of this inheritance. And one of the things that I chose, Chad and I chose to keep, was that telephone that she had used to try to get help when she went into that coma. Bring that phone back to New Orleans into our condo. We lived in a, it was pretty amazing, this location that we lived in at the time. And uh, that phone was doing all kinds of crazy things, like ring, not plugged in. When it was plugged in, it would, you go over to use it and you'd hear other languages. And I have a fairly good ear for languages and I didn't recognize anything. And it was freaking, now I'm already going through the trauma, Chad and I both are, of the death of my mom. And now I got this crazy phone. Now, you know, moving on from that experience, I'll, I'll kind of leave that story with, where else can you call a phone company but New Orleans and tell them, and they send somebody to your home to check your lines, do everything that you can possibly do to get this crazy phone to work. And all of a sudden, I got the phone company telling me, and she was very sweet, but she said, well, hon, did you ever think it might be haunted? Now, who says that to somebody? Only in New Orleans. Exactly. That's exactly what she said. Well, enough of that phone. I told Chad, that phone's got to go. This phone has got to go. Um, so we had a very close friend at the time who had met my mother, fell in love with her. She felt the same way about him. He wanted that crazy phone. So we passed that phone on to him and uh, life went on. It stopped for us, and I never remember hearing anything about it, doing anything weird for him, but it certainly was for us. So, so, you know, back to the high strangeness of our early lives then. Uh, I, I'm raised in the Midwest. I'm in my second year of college, and all of a sudden, Mom decides she's going to Arkansas. Now, this is the late 70s, and I'm like, what is Arkansas? I, you know, and I meant it so sincerely. It was a state I knew about, but I couldn't fathom what in the world she was doing. Deciding as she was a widow at this stage, deciding that she's going to Arkansas. Well, where mom goes, I go. We were kind of a duo. So that's what ended up getting us to that location. Uh, Little Rock, Arkansas. She had a banker friend gentleman that was involved in the banking industry and he saw my mom as kind of an up-and-comer and she had started educating herself and uh, getting kind of involved in politics on a low level in the Midwest and so he told her come to Little Rock I'll help you and she made that decision to relocate to Arkansas and that was a huge decision and I joined along with her um, if you care now, I'll have Chad. He actually can speak, and he's very good at it, share with you the few early stories that he experienced in his life. Sure, and the then high we'll, we'll merge them for the future. Yes, after that. Go ahead, Chad. Yeah, yeah um, the, kind of the earliest uh, weird thing that uh, or high strangeness thing that I can remember, my, my dad uh, and grandfather and uncle, they were rice farmers and sharecroppers together back in the late 70s, you know, or 60s and 70s. And um, 
I guess I was about seven years old at the time, six or seven years old at the time. And we had one of the fields uh, right out beside us had uh, uh, soy. Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.